Tis the month of St. Patty's Day, and here's a random related fact. Did you know that the odds of finding a lucky four-leaf clover are 1 in 10,000? I'd say that's pretty difficult. Fortunately, if you're a business owner or hiring manager, you don't need luck to find top talent for your team. You need ZipRecruiter, and right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. You don't need a leprechaun when ZipRecruiter's brilliant technology is going to walk you right to that pot of gold of top talent. As soon as you post your job, ZipRecruiter powerful technology starts showing you the best qualified candidates for it. Aren't you just a wee bit curious to see how ZipRecruiter can help you? Well, today's your lucky day because you can try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Once again, just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. One of our favorite comedians, he's a funny guy, he's a great storyteller, he's a killer actor, is about to join us right now, and it turns out he's as tied up in knots with anxiety as the rest of us. Tom Papa. We always have an odd one in the crowd. So it's kind of odd. You're decidedly odd. Doesn't that strike you as a little bit odd? No, that doesn't strike me as a little bit odd. It's the Bob and Sherry Oddcast, the stuff we wouldn't, couldn't, or shouldn't do on the regular show. Now, here's the Oddcast. Well, looky here, if we don't have the one and only Tom Papa joining us today, and I want to remind everybody that your new book, your newest book, we're all in this together, so make some room is out there. And Tom, welcome to the show. Happy New Year and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Happy New Year to you. Did you make, are you a resolution guy? Did you make any uh, plans for 2024? (laughs) I usually am a resolution guy, but this year I haven't landed on one. I kind of floated with with uh maybe doing yoga, then maybe <laughs> reading more. And I was like, my, my heart isn't in any of this. <laughs> so then I made a declaration. I went the other way because I have a lot of people that are saying dry January. And mm-hmm. maybe that's like a good one month thing that you can just commit to. And I broke that by opening a bottle of wine on January second. So Tom, I, I tried dry January last year. It's the worst month. It is the worst <laughs> month to go dry. You you're coming out of the holidays. I don't care where you live unless it's Hawaii. January is kind of bleak. You're getting punched in the face by credit card bills. Yeah. And, and then you got taxes coming up. Here's a time when I don't want to part with alcohol at all. <laughs> Hit me up in July. Let's talk about dry July, but certainly. Exactly. And I literally felt like when I opened it and, and took a, the first sip, I was like, I really felt like I achieved something. I was like, good for you, Tom. <laughs> You're not following the herd. You're your own person. And you know, so what? We're fat. You know what? Um, and, and this is nothing to be proud of. I'm actually like, I have the decency to be ashamed of this, but um, mm. I caught a stomach bug over the holidays and it was wicked bad, wicked bad. Ugh. So as a result, like for four days, I consumed only room temperature Sprite and despair. And at the end of those four days on day five, told myself, well, look at you taking a little break from alcohol as though it had been a choice. <laughs> still counts, though. It still counts. Yeah, yeah. yeah 100%. I love the well, days t- when I when I look back and I'm like, well, that was not good we didn't drink yesterday. And that not drinking has 
come down to just one or two beers. Yeah, isn't it? But this is what adulthood is. Adulthood is such a terrible beating that you have to cling to one one or two good solid vices or you won't make it through. Although I think that you not setting any New Year's resolutions, there's another way to look at this. Like mm. maybe, maybe you're just fine the way you are. Maybe you've done all the self-improving that Tom Papa needs to done, needs to get done. And this version of Tom Papa is the optimal Tom Papa. Well, if you could the send me, if you could send me uh, that portion of the interview when we're done, so I can play it for my wife at dinner, <laughs> <laughs> that would really be helpful. <laughs> so yeah, they always seem about... to think we have some way to improve. We always yeah. need to improve something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she had a long list of. When I was like, no resolutions. She, really? Oh, uh, really? <laughs> Nothing you could. Okay. <laughs> but I hear, I hear what you're saying. Like you make the list, like I'm going to read more and I'm going to do yoga and I'm going to have better boundaries and I'm going to eat more vegetables. And then you look at it and you just feel like this sad weight of like, I don't really, I don't want to do yeah. any of these things. I know. <laughs> I know. That's what I, I say in my acts. Uh, recently on tour, I, I I say, what what is the goal here? Is it to look like a supermodel? Is it to is it to end up with six pack abs? No, it's to stay alive. That's that's all you've got to do. And you're all here tonight, so you've done it. Congratulations! Hey, round of applause. <laughs> what is only four ninety nine a month, but gives you such pleasure? That would be the Bob and Sherry Premium exclusive content from the show including our classic chat room calls and best of cds you'll get behind the scenes photos and videos of not only us but our listeners it's a lot of fun just 4.99 a month and the website to get all of this is bob and slash premium where's your head as we roll into a brand new year and you're on the road and talking to people and it's kind of the nature of your comedy that it's just super real and personal and kind of connected to the audience in that moment. So what's on your mind as we kick off this new year? Uh, it's, it's a little confusing to be honest. There is this feeling of in the, that you get from the news and stuff like that were like, things are, horrible and that there's so much trouble and when you go around people aren't living that way or feeling that in their daily lives like that i think we've hit this moment where the amount of information that is just hitting the human brain which is unprecedented it's never been no human being has had to have reports from every trouble around the world every single day and I think it's having an effect on people and you can feel like there's a little bit of a haze, a little bit of a worry. But then on the day to day, people are spending more. There's great technology. There's people are curing diseases. There's like all of these reasons for real optimism in the day to day life. Like I've got young kids, uh, young adults as children, and they're they're pretty hopeful. And like the job market is getting better and. So it's like this weird thing where our feeling of anxiety doesn't really match our day-to-day -day living. 
Oh, and, thank you for saying that because it's yes. so true. And for someone who does what you do for a living or what we do, you spend a lot of time steeped in the news and in social media. And so we do have kind of a distorted view. Like I'm sitting here reading this article about how the scientist says, we are living in a simula simulation and I can prove it. Um, <laughs> the limit to how fast light and sound can travel corresponds to the speed of a computer processor. The laws of mm -hmm. physics are very similar to computer code. Elementary particles are very similar to pixels, right? So I'm mm -hmm. reading this and I'm hyperventilating and I'm in a cold sweat. Oh my God, like everything's <laughs> on fire and we're living in a simulation. I walk into any place today, later, and everyone I meet will be like, hey girl, happy new year. How you doing? And I'm like, how can mm -hmm. you be happy? We live in a simulation that you're <laughs> right. We have all gotten nuts because of this stuff. I know. I had this moment this morning where I was, got up and did some writing and work and whatever. And then I had to walk the dogs, which I'm never really love. Uh, but I walked out and it had just rained and the sun was out. And I'm just staring at this lemon tree. And I was like, why am I, this is the, so beautiful. Why am I, why do I, why am I, is it just because we've come off the holidays? Like, why am I not feeling that anxious feeling? And I realized I hadn't looked at my phone yet. I forgot my phone at my end table in the bedroom and I hadn't picked it up yet. And it's so sick that every day. Hey, I wake up and open my phone expecting, looking for, and scrolling until I find something to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> and if I just took the dumb dog outside and stared at a lemon tree for a minute, my whole day started off completely differently. Are you a worrier kind of by nature? Do you come from a family of worriers? No, I'm not. I'm not. Which is why I'm kind of identifying this feeling of like, like, why is it like I, I notice when I do have worry because I'm not a worrier. And it's like this has been added to my life. These these beautiful, magical phones that are just meant to that just bring us bad information. <laughs> like I'm very conscious yeah. of where this worry comes. From. I don't worry by nature. I just kind of go with the flow. I I don't have high expectations about how great everything's supposed to be. It's not. Uh, but it, it, adding these phones and adding this this nonstop torrent of bad news is definitely having its effect on me. Do you? So let me ask you this. Um, are you in like a mixed marriage where you're looking at your phone and doom scrolling and your wife is looking at lemon trees? Because that's kind of my life. And nothing will harsh the mood more than walking into the living room, looking at your phone and announcing some apocalyptic thing that you just saw on social media or in your newsfeed to someone uh, who's like, oh, a squirrel. <laughs> yeah, I know. I have we, we kind of go back and forth. It's funny. We play that role like one of us will declare like we're we're managing our phones and we're not going to be on as much. And that's great. Like I'll have moments where. I'm just not doing it. I'm not going to look at the news. I'm just going to live my life. And then my wife walks into my office and stands there and says, did you hear? <laughs> <I'm> like, oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Why uh, is it hard, that yeah, nothing we, good follows that? Nothing good follows <laughs> that. Did you hear? My sister won the lottery. Like no, nothing ever, ever, ever. Good. I know. I was noticing yesterday that my wife, my wife, 
says the most, my wife calls me from another part of the house and it could be about the most mundane thing or that somebody just died with the same tone. I was in the closet <laughs> yesterday changing and I hear my wife screaming from upstairs, Tom, Tom. Yeah. Where are you? Oh, geez. I'm in the closet getting changed. Okay. Um, uh, can you talk? Oh, geez. I come waddling out. I'm like, Oh, who, whose funeral are we going to, to start off the year? <laughs> and she said, are you around on the 10th? If we want to go have dinner with Kelly, <laughs> you know, I don't know if I'm going to be around on the 10th because I might have a heart attack in the next five minutes. <laughs> the adrenaline spike, right? <laughs> like, yeah. There's nothing worse you could hear from your spouse from another room is, can you talk right now? It's like, just there, there has to be, you, you have to kind, kind of calm down your rhetoric, even within the house. My uh, when my kids were little, they only had one mode and they would call my name with the tone of voice and the kind of urgency that told you that there was a fire. There was a bear. <laughs> there was an intruder. There was bloodshed. It was I don't know how I survived like the first <laughs> decade of parenthood for that. It made me absolutely crazy. And like you, because I'm on my phone, I'm already like braced at all times now. I used to be this person, Tom. I am braced I at all times now for something cataclysmic to come across the screen. What a terrible way to live. And there's no, unless we get like some kind of massive solar storm that shuts down civilization, you know, we ain't going back. <laughs> no, I know. That really is the yeah. thing. It's like, you have to, you just have to get better at it. But I don't know how that's possible. Like I can tell when my daughter is in her room just scrolling through TikTok. Like they come, they come back out of that room a totally different person. And who knows what they saw? You know, they're just scrolling yeah. through and the stuff. I mean, from small stuff about how fat you are to big stuff of you know big accidents or the or the climate or any of that stuff. It's it's. There's no, I don't know how yeah. you get better at it. I mean, you know, how many times do like, you pick up your phone just to do something important, like to check on your flight or something, and you forget why you picked it up. And then 15 minutes later, you're like, why have I just gone through all of this hellishness? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and what was I doing? Oh, I was yeah, just going like, to check uh, on that yeah, chicken recipe. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of my kids said to me, Mom, you know, we've depleted the topsoil so much that our foods don't even have nutrients in them anymore. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm just over here looking at pictures of Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Can I have one moment where the world is not on fire? I know. And then you feel, though, when you put it down and you say, I'm not going to partake in this, then you start to feel a little out of the loop. You start to feel and, a little like, am I just this Luddite? Well, and do you really want to be surprised by the breaking news that octopuses are now walking on dry land and wreaking vengeance? No, you want to see that coming. You want to see the right. first early tweets about that so that you can be braced for it. I'd say. Yeah. So, so Tom, let me ask you this. You are, I mean, you've had this like extraordinary career. You're such a great storyteller. You've had like, I don't know, five, six Netflix specials. 
Um, you have your own podcast. You just did the, uh, you have a part in the Nike movie with Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Like, talk to me a little bit about those pinch me moments where you go, whoa, this is exactly what I was hoping would happen. Yeah, it, it, fortunately, I haven't lost any, any wonder of that. Like, I truly am the 10 year old version of me thinking, well, maybe I could be on TV one day, or maybe I could be a comedian. And I still, at this 30 years in, I still get super excited when anything like that happens. You know, like if I get a phone call from Jerry Seinfeld, or I have my kids throw on Netflix and there's my big dumb face in their scroll it's still the coolest thing in the world. You know, it's not, I'm not, I'm not so cool that I'm like, yeah, this is way it's supposed to be or whatever. I just, I truly, truly get uh, giddy and, and excited about it. I can't believe that I've come this far and put my kids through school and did all this stuff without really having a job. I mean, that's <laughs> that, that alone. If you told me when I was 12 years old that I'm, going to be able to make a living and not really have it ever go to an office, I would have, I, I, I would, my head would have exploded. Was this the plan when you were 12 years old? Did you know even then that you wanted to, if, if not be a comedian, at least like you wanted to work in show business or did you want to be a big animal vet or something? Like what was the deal? No, I, I wanted, when I was in seventh grade, it was the first time that I learned that grownups were funny for a living. Like, I was always funny as a kid, but it wasn't until that summer when I heard Steve Martin and George Carlin that I connected that it all of a sudden it, I was, wait, wait a minute, this, this is a grown up, and this is what he, he, all he's doing for his job is making people laugh. And that was it. Once, once I learned that that was a possibility from that point on, I, that was my goal. Are you that rare comic who announced to uh, his family that he was going to grow up to be a stand-up comedian and they were like, son, we'll do everything in our power to help you fulfill that dream or no? Um, the, I kind of announced it and they, they, you know, I was running around being funny all the time. So I guess it wasn't a huge surprise, but they were, they were nervous and they said, well, you should get it. You have to get a degree though. You need to get a degree and then whatever you want to do with your life, you can go do it and I just went to this little school in New Jersey and I think it was smart I think it was a smart thing because I have a lot of very funny people in my life who can't make a phone call <laughs> you know what I mean like they can't hold, go to a meeting with somebody and I think going to college just gave me a little extra time to grow up and learn uh, how to talk to grown-ups <laughs> <laughs> and how about your kids? Did any of your kids follow in your footsteps? Did any of them inherit that same gene? Yeah, they're funny. They like to they like to write. Um, they're both in college now, and it's starting to emerge. I mean, that's kind of the, the a little bit of a curse. Uh, thankfully, they're talented and and funny, and I don't know where where they'll end up, but. Definitely seeing their parents not have a job did not, that's not great for them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, <laughs> yeah. like 
it's very rare that you can figure out how to do this without, like we said, like having a real job. And uh, yeah. it's it's hard to tell your kids, well, you should go. I didn't do it, but you definitely should get on a bus and commute somewhere. Well, you've been at this for a long time. I mean, you've put in the work and really paid your dues. And you're more than, you know, a guy that tells jokes. You're a really gifted writer and actor. Um, what was the moment where you kind of thought, oh, I might be able to actually pull this off? Uh, I, pretty early, honestly, when I started showing up in New York and started doing it, uh, I knew pretty it, it kind of confirmed that I could do it in front of people as much as I could do it when I like, you know, in the lunchroom in high school, <laughs> you know, and I, as soon as I, I was able to like host shows and I kind of moved along pretty quickly, I had no idea like what the path was or how it was going to work out or what I needed to accomplish. I just was happy that I was able to, that a club in New York would pay me $20 to come and host the show for that night. At that point, that was making it. And I was just like, oh, my God, I'm a comedian in New York City. And that you must probably... have met everybody, too. Right. Doing that. Oh, yeah. That's kind of this. That's kind of uh, one of the secrets of stand up is it's kind of this backdoor into show business. Like if you were to become an actor or a writer, it takes years and you've got to kind of come through the ranks. And then maybe you'll end up in a movie with Eddie Murphy. But if you can do stand up and host the shows at the clubs in New York, all of a sudden I was bringing on Jon Stewart and Ray Romano and Roseanne and all of these, all of a sudden I was like, I've been doing this for eight months and I'm handing the microphone to Ray Romano. Like <laughs> this wow. is, yeah, it's like I came in the back door. When you were just like, there you are, just starting out and here, not just like comedy legends, but probably for, for especially a young comedian starting out, a lot of comedy idols. Um, did, what did you learn from watching those folks work? Uh, man, I mean, everything. I, I soaked it all up like a sponge. I mean, you learn everything right and wrong. You know, I, I artistically, you could tell that the ones that were successful really had their own thing, their own voice, their own style, their own stories there was something unique about them they weren't the same as everybody else and that kind of i could tell early on that that came from them being very very genuine uh i also learned that you could go a different route and drink every night and run around and try and hook up with people and uh drugs and not write during the day and show up and just do the same act again and I learned very quickly from watching those people like, oh, there's a there's there's a danger to working in. <laughs> you, you could you could end up not going anywhere and stay at this club forever if you don't do treat this like like a very special, special craft that it is. If you if you honor it, you'll get all the good things out of it. And you or, or you could just treat this as a party and end up not going anywhere. Uh, so yeah, it was just learning from examples and just learning from all of these people. I mean, comedians, I truly, I love them so much. They're so unique and there's the good, the good ones, the ones that run into trouble They're They just, they're at the, at the, 
at their core, they're trying to make people laugh and trying to figure out our place in the world. And that's such a beautiful thing. I haven't lost my admiration for that at all. I'm still learning. Like I'm still learning from young comics and watching them come up now. They're uh, they're pretty special breed. So, Tom, not to put you on like the therapy couch or anything, but um, a lot of comedians, a lot of really gifted comedians are such desperately broken, unhappy people. You know, tragedy plus time equals comedy, that old saying. Right. Mm -hmm. And we've talked to a number of comics over the years um, and it's and there have only been a handful where you come away and go, well, here's somebody that's just funny and a natural storyteller and a naturally gifted comic who is not tied up in knots and pain. Ray Romano comes to mind since you mm -hmm. brought him up. Right. And you seem that way to your fans as well. Um, has it been your experience that a lot of, a lot of these really, really incredibly meteoric talents are just like, ah, such a hot mess of pain. And, and you're not, you seem really balanced and, you know, kind of healthy even. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a degree. I think there's definitely those people that really, really suffer and, and have, you know, extreme anxiety and issues that they're still working through from when they were kids and all of that. But I don't think anybody really gets away with being completely balanced. I mean, I'm pretty normal in that group. Um, as probably more than most, but that doesn't mean that I'm normal. I, I think, I think human beings, I mean, even Ray is an example, you know, Ray is uh, a pretty normal guy. He seems like a, you know, he's got it kind of together and good family man. And that's all true, but he's also pretty OCD <laughs> and yeah. he, he loves to gamble and he, you know, he has, he has his deep, we all do all human beings. That's why there is comedy. Honestly, is that we all are flawed. We're all trying to figure our way out. We're all trying to just kind of keep it together while we're faced with overwhelming fears and anxieties. And, you know, I think that we all kind of have it. So I never really got to the, I never really bought into you have to like really suffer and, and be filled with pain and drink like crazy. It's like, you know what? My waking up and getting the kids out and hoping to God that they come home safe. That's kind of enough of the, <laughs> that's all the anxiety I need. It's a lift all by itself. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of the point of your newest book, right? They're like, Oh, we're just out. We're all just out here being people and doing yeah, our best. Exactly. And you can really learn from everybody that you come in contact with everybody, the ones that you don't respect, the ones that seem very, very wise. We can learn from all of these examples and get a little bit more perspective on how you can carry, carry on. It's like, you know, I, I have sit in my office and work during the day and I can look out and there's people walking up and down, walking their dogs or just old people trying not to die and <laughs> I can tell every one of them has a story and everyone has something that I could become a little better for having listened to it well I don't want to um I don't want to end without talking a little bit about your latest acting gig where you were working with I don't know if some folks have heard of your co-stars like Viola Davis you know 
yeah. Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, Jason Bateman. So t- talk to us a little bit about your acting career and um, getting the call for that movie. Uh, yeah, acting has always been... You know, when I went to college, I started acting because it was, you know, it was something to do while I was still in school. And I really enjoyed it and I really loved it. And anytime I end up in something, I is it's talk about those moments where you're like, it's almost hilarious. Like I'll see myself in behind the candelabra. There's this one scene where it's me, Dan Aykroyd, Michael Douglas and Matt Damon. And it's like, well, what? which one of these things does not belong? (laughs) I I can only imagine they're thinking like whatever their acting thoughts are. And all I'm thinking in those scenes is I'm in a movie with Matt. (laughs) 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 So anytime I get to do it, it's, it's definitely a treat, but a little, to be honest, a little um, side note of, of, this one, the Nike movie, I got cut out of the movie at the last minute. No. And yes. My no. scene, it was me. It was me and Matt and we had one scene and it was funny, but then the way they cut it together, it didn't match the storyline anymore. And yeah, who, Matt, who makes the call to tell you that Tom, how do you find that out? Um, nobody. Um, Matt oh. came to a show of mine in New York when I was doing town hall and he told me backstage, uh, he, he let me know. So I was like, well, this is horrible, but it happens. It's, you know, it's not the first time, but the good part of it is now there's nothing, there's, there's nothing wrong with walking around knowing that Matt and Ben owe you one. Well, also as a comedian, <laughs> yeah. no sooner were the words out of his mouth than you were thinking, oh Yeah. I did a movie with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck and got cut out of it. I mean, that's comedy right there all by itself. Yeah, exactly. I got a lot of mileage of it up for my on my podcast and radio show. Well, yeah. we're so glad that you had some time to chat. And um, we're going to post up um, all of the links to Tom's socials and website. His website is Tom, P-A-P-A, TomPapa.com. And when he comes into your town, you're going to want to snatch up those tickets fast. You can also hear him on Netflix radio and his podcast, Breaking Bread with Tom Papa. And we're so appreciative that you stopped by, Tom. Continued success. And I can't wait to see the next movie that they don't cut you out of. I'll be cheering for you (laughs) real loud at the AMC. Me too. And when you're watching me act, you'll just be thinking, all he's thinking is, I hope they don't cut me out. <laughs> That's your method acting, right? That'll be why your yeah. emotions are so strong in that scene. Oh, please, please let me stay in. Exactly. Tom Papa, everybody. Thank you so much. It was really nice. Thanks for joining us for this first episode of the Bob and Sherry Oddcast for 2024. Our website is B-O-B-A-N-D-S-H-E-R-I.com. And hey, check out our other podcast, Talking Lamar, which drops every Friday afternoon with the People's Movie Critic and True Weird Stuff, the podcast for the curiously morbid and the morbidly curious new episodes every Friday. Thank you so much for listening to the Bob and Sherry podcast, the Oddcast, and Talking Lamar. We would love it if you would subscribe, rate, and review, and maybe share it with a friend on Facebook, Instagram, wherever you go. And thank you again so much for listening. 
Tis the month of St. Patty's Day, and here's a random related fact. Did you know that the odds of finding a lucky four-leaf clover are 1 in 10,000? I'd say that's pretty difficult. Fortunately, if you're a business owner or hiring manager, you don't need luck to find top talent for your team. You need ZipRecruiter, and right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. You don't need a leprechaun when ZipRecruiter's brilliant technology is going to walk you right to that pot of gold of top talent. As soon as you post your job, ZipRecruiter powerful technology starts showing you the best qualified candidates for it. Aren't you just a wee bit curious to see how ZipRecruiter can help you? Well, today's your lucky day because you can try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Once again, just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.